Okay, we're gonna go ahead and get started. For those of you who are new to Nightmares Film Festival, this is our seventh edition of our new distribution panel. For those of you who are not new to Nightmares Film Festival, every year we do this, it's like completely different than the year before in distribution, so we're glad you joined us. There's lots to learn. I'm Chris Hamill. I'm the co-founder of Nightmares Film Festival. I'm also the founder of Gateway Film Center. Thank you. And I'm gonna start the session today by allowing each one of our panelists, and we have a really great panel, to introduce themselves to you. So panelists, tell us your name, um, what your primary job is. When I look at this group of people, they all have like seven jobs. So let's try to, try to narrow it to like your three or four most prominent jobs. Um, and then after we get our introductions complete, we're gonna do a few shared definitions to help us all talk about kind of the same things. Sometimes distribution, studio, exhibition, film festivals, they get like sort of blended together into one definition that doesn't really describe any of them. So after you've met our panelists, we'll do some shared definitions. I'll get us started with the question, but you be thinking about what you'd like to ask the panel, because as always, it's one team, the, the more uh, things you talk about and ask questions about, the more you're helping one another, okay? So I'm gonna start with this awesome person, Hope Madden. Uh, Hope, go ahead and introduce yourself and then we'll go down the panel. Hi, uh, I'm Hope Madden. I am a filmmaker. My movie, Obstacle Corpse, premiered here at Nightmares last year. Yay! Um, I'm also a film critic. Uh, I am uh, one half of Mad Wolf. That's a lie. There's like eight of us, but only two of us get the name. So that's my other job. I'm Cecilia Enriquez, and I work for an agency in Cincinnati called The Owens Group, and we are a regional marketing agency for major movie studios. So our clients include Amazon, uh, Warner Brothers, Focus Features. Um, so I get to work with her a lot, since she is a movie critic, and she <laughs> reviews our films and post-reviews. So. Hey, I'm Justin Seaman. I'm a filmmaker. I premiered The Barn in 2016 here at Nightmares. Yay! Yay. Yeah. Uh, I was back here last year with The Barn Part 2. Uh, I am the president of Scream Team Releasing, so I'm always looking for films to pick up through there. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Hint. Yeah. Yeah. Hint. <laughs> I'm Scott Donnelly, CEO of Good Deed Entertainment and Cranked Up Films. We are distribution and production. Uh, we've released over 100 films. We do any genre, any type of film. And uh, we just finished, uh, we just wrapped about, what, two weeks ago, our fifth film for the year for, as per, from production. So um, that's, uh, that's what we're about, production and distribution. Okay, good job. And panelists, I'm going to ask you to eat those microphones when you talk so everybody in the back can hear you okay. Okay, so as I promised, we're going to do some shared definitions. These are not perfect, but they're going to help us today when we talk about these different topics, okay? So we're gonna start with film festival. When you hear film festival, what we're primarily talking about is an annual or reoccurring event where new films are premiered for audiences. Some of you nodded, thank you. Uh, that made me feel good. When we say film festival, we're talking about things such as Nightmares Film Festival, where you all are. Where, well, thank you for the clapping. I did not have that in my notes. I did not say pause for clapping. The 
Nightmares Film Festival, for example, is premiering new films for audiences. Make sense? Okay, our next definition is exhibition. You really have to define exhibition because when you talk about that in America, people's minds go all over the place. When we say exhibition, we're talking about venues such as Gateway Film Center, where you are sitting right now. Places that regularly exhibit new films. Make sense? I got less nodding with that one, so I needed the affirmation. <laughs> when we say studio, we're talking about an organization that either creates or funds the creation of new movies. Now that one is really hard to like pin into one little bit. But when we say studio, we're talking about organizations that create or fund new movies. And finally, distributor. When we talk about a distributor, this is an organization that works with studios and filmmakers to get their new films out into exhibition. Does that make sense? Sometimes studios are distributors. Sometimes distributors are studios. And in this post-Paramount Decree stuff, sometimes everybody's everything, okay? But for the purposes of today's conversation to make it more meaningful for all of us, we're gonna try and stick to those shared definitions. Everybody cool with that? I got, I got one clap. <laughs> I got one thumbs up I saw. And now you're all feeling guilty because you're American, so you have to clap when other people clap. Okay, remember, we have an unbelievable group of people here. They have a lot of information, and I can tell you they all sincerely want to help. So be thinking about those questions as we get into this conversation. Okay, I'm going to start with Hope Madden, who definitely has a lot of jobs. When I asked them to narrow down what they did, I was really talking to Hope Madden, who could spend a lot of time telling you about what she did. Hope, as she mentioned, premiered her amazing film, Obstacle Corpse, here last year. How many of you saw Obstacle Corpse here? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was a great film. And we also played it at Gateway Film Center this year, too. Um, so Hope just went through a process some of you are going through or are hoping to go through. She premiered her film on the festival circuit. It was, she made a deal with distribution. She has gone through the exhibition uh, process, and she can probably even talk about streaming and VOD. So Hope, if you would, just start uh, the conversation today by sharing your experiences, if you don't mind. And uh, I know everyone will love to hear about them. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe not, but I will. Um, yeah, as Chris said, we, we screened Obstacle Corps here and a handful of, of other festivals. So we did the traditional festival circuit. We started getting um, interest almost as soon, honestly, as we put up the IMDB page. And uh, we, we kind of you know put off making any decisions until we got a lot of different um, conversations going. So there are a couple of things that I picked up and would recommend that you do. Um, the first thing was I found a couple of filmmakers whose films had been distributed in uh, kind of a model that I admired and thought worked out well, would work out well for me. And I asked, I found one of them actually is somebody that I know because of Nightmares Film Festival. I asked them if they would look at some of the paperwork for me early on until I had a, a like groundwork, until I had something to compare it to because I had no idea if somebody was offering me something that was good or was bad. I had zero idea. 
And I think of everything that I did, that was the smartest. Uh, also because I'm impatient, generally speaking, and the distribution part of it just blows, and I wanted it to be done with. And so I needed somebody else to go, don't be an idiot. So that was a really, really important. I really highly recommend that, that you do that. It worked out really well for us. The other thing um, is, again, I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I run a business. So I just treated this like a step in that, the way if I were going to hire somebody or the way if I were going to take on a new client, which is to say, I created a spreadsheet and a very specific set of questions that I asked everybody so that I had something to put in the spreadsheet so that I could compare everybody realistically so that I, when I made a decision, it made good sense. I have the questions if you would like to hear them. Um, it's what I made George come and grab for me. Uh, the first thing was... Um, Obstacle Corps cost me $68,000 to make. How long do you predict it would take for us to make $68,000 back? Um, and that seemed to be a surprise to most people when I asked them that question. <laughs> uh, and I got, and I think that it's valuable because um, from my experience, you get uh, one person who says, oh, you're going to get that back right away. And then you get like two people who say, you are never going to make that money back. And then right in the middle, you have like seven or eight people who are like, I don't know, three to five years. My recommendation is that you don't talk to the person who said you're going to get it back right away because they're lying. <laughs> And you don't talk to the people who said you're never going to make it back. Because even if that's true, you want somebody who's going to try, right? So hit the middle. I'm, I'm saying, um, do what you will. Um, and then, you know, I asked um, how, how you distribute films. Like, what, what is your relationship with um, traditional VOD, with, with AVOD, with subscription VOD? Do you have relationships with, with any of the subscription VOD people? I needed somebody to explain to me um, why we wouldn't just go directly to advertising VOD, since I think that seems to me be where filmmakers makes the most money, but I don't know anything about distribution. So I asked a lot of questions about distribution because I don't know anything about it. Um, you know, how many outlets do you see taking on the film? What's your relationship with Redbox? Do you do anything for international? So I had a, a, a set of questions I asked everybody, and then I kept all of the answers written down. I would take notes. Then I would send an email back to them. Go, does this look like what you said? Because most of the times, even if I asked them, could you send me something in writing? They didn't want to send me anything in writing until it was an actual contract. And contracts are difficult to understand. So I needed, for my own notes, them to go, yes, no, yes, this is right now so that I could put it in my spreadsheet so I could compare them with each other. And then I think the other thing that helped me, I knew what I wanted. And I think a lot of people maybe don't. So I knew what I was, what I was looking for. Um, and, you know, in the end, I think everybody sent me, they wanted sort of everything, uh, uh, international rights and all of the things and everything. And, but it, I knew that they weren't really going to, because it might, because it's $68,000 movie, nobody is in it that you've ever heard of, so I'm, nobody's going to take this out theatrically, and they're probably not going to make, uh, do f physical media of it, so I said, can I keep those? Because if they're not going to do anything with those, or international, right, well, maybe I'm not either, but maybe I am, so why, why would I give those away? Um, and then the other thing is, to compare, um, this is probably the most important thing. How much money are they asking you to give them in advance? And then how much money are they going to keep once the movie comes out? 
and just compare that across the board and you'll know pretty quickly who to leaf out. Like, no, nope, not that guy. Um, and for us, um, how much money do you want in advance? Because we have zero dollars left. <laughs> and so unsurprisingly, we went with the people who said, no money. We don't want any money from you, Hope. Um, and that was, uh, but it, I mean, it worked out really well for us. You know, I'm obviously fairly methodical is that the polite way to say what I am <laughs> you know so I don't know that it'll work out well for you but it did work out well for us one other quick thing I'm sorry and then I'll stop talking um, I looked for I looked for distributors who um, get their movies reviewed because um, speaking as a film critic it is a free way to market a movie and if if they're not going to do that for you then I don't I'm not sure what L you can expect them to be doing for you because it's free for everybody involved and even if the film critic says something that isn't good somebody's heard of your movie who would never have heard of it otherwise so it's it's an important thing to just double check that they m make that investment in your film okay before we move on I just want to say thank you hope for sharing that experience with everybody um, yeah there I I'm sure it was difficult to share it all, and that was probably the very abridged version, so I'd love to come back to it in a little while if we can. Justin, you have also been in the same boat as Hope. Yes, very much And so. you distribute films. Correct. What can you add from your experiences that uh, sounds something like what yeah. Hope said or even more context? Yes, it's very much uh, similar. I was exactly in the same boat uh, when I made The Barn in 2016, I did the exact same thing. Uh, I went, I spent a, uh, around a year on the festival circuit, taking the film around. Uh, I got hit up with tons of distributors wanting, because uh, I made such a buzz with the film, everybody wanted the film. Uh, I did all the legwork for them, all the marketing. Um, when, I, when I made the movie, I did all kinds of promo uh, promotional items. I did video games, board games, dolls, all kinds of stuff. So they were like, this guy has done everything for us. We don't really have to do anything, right? Um, so I did the same thing. I was like, I made this movie for like $50,000. I, I put all the movie like on, on credit cards and, uh, you know, so I basically said, I need this money back, right? Uh, uh, or I'm going to lose like my house and stuff. Like I have a mortgage, right? So I was like, how quick can you get me this money? And it was this very much the same situation. Well, maybe if we're lucky, the movie goes into Walmart, you know, and it, and it sells maybe two to three years or maybe not. And uh, I was like, that's not what I want to hear. You know, I need a guarantee and nobody could give it to me. Um, and at the end of the, end of the day, I had to make the tough decision of, uh, do I sign with the distributor and do the exposure deal, which is what pretty, uh, you know, unfortunately, this is what happens to a lot of filmmakers, is that's what it turns out to be. Uh, and I talked to a lot of filmmakers that I met at the film festivals, and I, I, you know, I was like, what's your experience with this company, that company? And they were like, I never got one penny, I never saw one sales report. And I was like, well, I'm not, definitely not doing that, because I'm a person that kind of, I try to learn from somebody else's mistakes instead of trying to repeating it. And uh, I ended up saying, well, I'm a hustler, so maybe I will take this movie and I'll just distribute it myself. So for the next year, that's what I did. And within two months, I made that money back myself. Yeah, not only, oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, not only that, I made a lot more, and it was life-changing, and that's what I had hoped. During that time, 
I was at conventions and I had people coming up to me going, hey, you're a really good salesperson. Would you consider selling my movies at your table? And I said, no, I'm not a distributor. And distributors have a very bad name and I'm not doing that. Uh, and, but it just kept happening. So what ended up happening was I got involved in a movie called 1031 with Rocky Gray, who was my composer. Um, I did a segment in it. And he was like, I'm gonna do the same thing as you. I'm gonna make this movie, I'm gonna sell it myself because I see you doing it and you're doing really well. And so I said, okay. Uh, he did it for a few months and then he contacted me. He said, hey, this is really hard. I don't have the time to do that. <laughs> and I said, well, I will, I will tell you that it's, you know, and it's just, I say this to every filmmaker, I go, making the movie is the first battle. The second part is the business side. And you can have all the artistic ability and, you know, it, and do everything, but then you have to be a business person on the back end. And it does take up a lot of your time. And he said, I just, I don't have it. Running a store, trying to go to conventions, do all this, I, I just, I don't have the time to do it. He said, how would you feel selling the movie through these conventions and on your site and all that? And I said, I don't do that, but I'll do it for you because I'm a part of the movie. And at this time, I had been selling the movie for quite a while. I was going to the same spots, meeting people that I've already sold the film to, and it was becoming like, oh, I already have it, you know? I started selling the movie to new people because they were like, oh, you made the barn and you're part of this, I'll pick it up. And I was like, wow, this is, this is good because now I'm selling something else I'm a part of, I'm seeing revenue come in that I wasn't making at these shows. Now people that had previously asked me to sell their movies were like, hey, you're selling another movie, you said you weren't gonna do that. And I said, yeah, you're right. And I started thinking, I'm like, well, maybe this is what I can do. Um, maybe I'll try it because I am a filmmaker, I come to these shows, I show my face, and I, I never wanted to sign with somebody where I couldn't get a hold of them. You know, I, I've heard so many stories about how I can't get a hold of this person because they're behind a computer, they won't return my emails, they won't pick up the phone, you know. And I thought, they're always gonna find me. <laughs> I'm, at, I'm at 25, 30 conventions a year. Uh, you know, I'm always willing to answer the phone, so let's give it a shot. And I said, uh, if, if there's one movie I could pick up that I'm a huge fan that inspired me, it was a movie made in Columbus called The Sleeper. And it never had a proper release. So I tracked down Justin Russell. I told him, I said, your movie The Sleeper inspired me to make The Barn an 80s throwback. And I said, if I could pick up your movie, I'm gonna start a distribution company. And we talked for hours on the phone. And by the time we were done, he said, uh, yeah, let's do it. So that started Scream Team releasing, and within the first year, we put out six movies. And uh, it changed my life. Uh, started a company, got employees, we've been doing it for six going on seven years now. Um, Jerry and Brooklyn have joined the label. Max Groh, who's part of the Nightmare family. Um, I think Jason Zink, part of the Nightmare Family. I, I've countless people who've been a part of the Nightmare Family that I've met have been a part of it. Um, the whole thing has been trying to build relationships with people that I've become friends with, before even be, become friends with, has been, just been picking up their movies and getting them out there, making them money, getting them on platforms, and you know, starting out physical, going through streaming, but also, um, letting them know that 
their films can be put someplace and then they're actually going to see a return. Because uh, that, that doesn't always happen. Uh, and, but I always, at the end of the day, because I am a filmmaker, I tell people, and this is a, probably the bad part of the business side of me, is that if you have the hustle in you, do it yourself sometimes. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's true. Uh, even though that, that probably is like, I shouldn't be saying that if I see a really good movie and I go, oh man, I could make some bank on that. But if you can do it yourself and flip it, um, do it yourself because there's always somebody that can take that and steal your money. And that's the shitty side of distribution because there's a lot of snakes. Um, and I just want to be one of the people out there that's not the snake, you know? All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that story. And and much like Hope's story, hopefully we can get back to a little bit, but let's yeah. talk to somebody who's not a snake. Yeah. Scott, who's sitting next to you. Yeah, well, yeah. thank you, Chris. I really like Scott, so... Yeah, I don't know anything about don't you, Scott, ruin it so for I me. you're but, not a snake. But, Scott, pivoting a, a little bit, but still connected, 2023 has been yet another year of tumult in uh, production and in distribution and in exhibition. You work in all three of those fields. Um, talk about what's going on with you and what you've seen happen this year and how it relates to the stories uh, Justin and Hope just shared. Well, I think, first of all, Hope, did you get all your money back? Well, I actually, uh, they've only had it for a few months, so I get my first statement at the end of this month. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> because crossed. I think ultimately, I mean, the first goal is of any filmmaker is to get your investment back for your investors. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you're using yes. investors yeah. or if you're doing it yourself and putting on credit cards and, and so forth, that's, that's a tough gig, but it, it happens every day, everywhere. And um, it makes it a challenge out there because there are so many films being made. There is so many outlets for the films. And, you know, when you want to make those first films, um, you don't want to spend an overabundance of money it's tough to find uh, cast, okay? As an independent, you know, we're, we're independent. Everything we do is independent, okay? Um, when, I, when I'm talking production, now we do do other films from the distribution side that aren't, you could class, they're independent films, but they can have a bigger cast, they can, you know, be bigger films in general. But I mean, I think the ultimate goal for everybody is to get their money back. And that's what, you know, our first and foremost goal is to make sure that you as filmmakers are becoming whole. Because if you want to make another film and you have investors, chances of getting those investors uh, re-upped to invest in another film, they want, want to see their money. So we're very cognizant of that because, you know, there was a day back when I first got in, I, was, uh, I started in production, I just wanted to make a couple films. And exactly what happened is back in 2012, I made a film called Tomorrow You're Gone, Willem Dafoe, Michelle Monaghan, Stephen Dorff. Okay, this, this was my film school. I lost my ass on it. I was the sole investor in it, and I literally lost my ass. Now, I got a nice MG on it from a distributor, but exactly what you said, you know, here's, here's what we're gonna give you, don't call me, type attitude. Uh, from there is where I decided, it's like, you know what, this distribution system sucks. This is broken. <laughs> this does not work, you know, this can't work this way. That's why I decided to get into, in, into distribution, was from that one film. So I made a couple more films from there, and uh, we did Worldwide on them, et cetera. 
and then I went full bore into distribution. So we've been uh, fully a distribution uh, company since 2013. And also, then a little later, I decided to start doing some more production, so we at least had some films in the pipeline. Because, you know, there's, as you all know, there's some films out there that aren't so good. And, you know, it's, it is going to be a challenge to, to get your money back on them. But there's a lot of films that are really good, and they have every right to get out to all the eyeballs in the world. I don't know how, you know, what you would put out if you were just, where were you getting revenue from initially? Just T-Bot and... Or Eat that microphone, Scott. Oh, sorry. In the, in the beginning? Yeah. Uh, straight physical. Okay, okay. So it makes a challenge. It costs a lot of money to make a film, as you all know. And am I close enough to it? Okay. Well, it looks like somebody's been chewing on it, so I don't want to get too close to it. Not you who's been chewing I'm on it. The last leg I've had a cold is I'm into the second week, so now I'm like, ugh. Um, but I'm not, I don't have COVID, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I tested. So, you know, the key, what we do is, you know, all the films, we go all in, we're on every platform. If it deserves a uh, theatrical, when I say it deserves a theatrical, is if the filmmaker wants a theatrical, we'll do a theatrical. You can't do a wide release on most films. It's too expensive. You know, you're not going to have $100 million in advertising budget. Nobody's going to do that. But, you know, it's always good to either start an independent film in festivals to get the word out. If you want to start it in theatrical, it's good. Hit certain markets. And then you expand beyond there. I mean, we're on all platforms. So we're on all AVOD. Um, we're on all streaming. We have films everywhere at one point or another. So we have those relationships. Now, that still doesn't mean that you're going to be able to recoup everything depending on what your budget is. I mean, the budgets we're, we've, we made these films on last year were not stout budgets, but they're real, you know, well-made quality films. And Phil's sitting here. He's the head of production on these. I don't know how many of you know Phil Garrett, but uh, um, there's a lot of good quality films coming out that we'll be releasing that are our own productions next year. Um, but I, I, I do want to say, I mean, there's lots of avenues out there. I mean, everybody right now is looking for original productions, original content. I was just out in L.A., met with Tubi last week. I mean, he's telling me they have a mandate for 100 uh, uh, original productions for Tubi. I'm like, and how are you going to accomplish that? You know, especially when uh, SAG's still on strike. Um, but, you know, there's always hopes and wishes of all these guys of what they want to do, too. So, but it's a, it's a, it's a tough world out there, you know, and I, anybody that can go out there and do it themselves and hustle, you know, Godspeed. I want you to do that because it's, it's great to get your films out there. Ultimately, all we really want to do is make sure that we get your work of art out there to the world. That's very important. And then the money will come. But it takes marketing. It takes advertising. We do not charge you for that stuff. Uh, Hope, if you got people asking you for money, yeah. that's... <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. You should never have to pay. No. Don't, yeah, don't nope. do that. Okay. Don't do that. Okay, you guys set up the perfect segue to Sicily. I can't let you get away from it. I know. Sicily, who does film marketing, talk about how it's going in 2023. And also piggyback... Well, don't be like that. you got to at least give me a chance. <laughs> And then piggyback on what they're talking about with how to effectively market movies. 
So I did, when Hope was talking, the first thing she brought up was IMDb. And I have this conversation with a lot of like new filmmakers and a lot of times when you're, you guys are the, on the artistic side and like you guys had mentioned, you also have to have a business side. So when you're making this film, you do have to think about your marketing and what you're going to do with this film because it does need, you do need to put a little bit of money towards that. But there are things you can do like IMDb. You know, you brought up making some promo items. It's great that you had a budget to do that. And if you can think like, oh my God, I have this cool product and we can make this really cool item that can take to festivals or hit the conventions, whatever you need to do. So I think you do have to, in, in mind, it's almost like making your Excel spreadsheet of all the things you need to do as a filmmaker and making sure you have that in there as part of, you know, your marketing plan. Um, you know, a really, if you can have a really great poster or a good teaser trailer, just a few things that you can get out there on your social media and start getting those out. I think another really cool thing, too, is I think when you're making this film, you may not think about social media really until you're done and then you're like, okay, now what? And I'm like, if you can start putting some content out there during your production, I know you guys did that very well. Um, you know, that's great to kind of start establishing that name. Um, and even though you don't have distribution, you don't have any of that yet, but you do have tools, I feel, that are available to you. Um, there was something else I was going to make a point about, but I don't remember. Um, have you seen the barn toys? They're yes. pretty cool. Sorry. Well, I remember when he was here last year. Um, uh, there was another point I was going to make about something. You know, the festivals, um, I know you brought up festivals. We haven't really talked about that. But I think doing that, too, I mean, submitting your film, getting to the festivals, you may not get picked up, but I feel like the connections you keep making, I feel like every year I've been coming here, I'm not a filmmaker, but I keep meeting new people and it's just that networking and you never know who you could meet maybe it's an actor they could be in your next production or maybe it is a distrib distributor so i feel like the festival circuits when you're first starting out is such an important thing and i was at i'm in cincinnati which i had said but there was independent film festival in september and I was talking to this, these filmmakers and they're like, right now I just have a script or I don't even have, we haven't even started shooting, but I want to start making these connections. So I think just keeping those things in mind, like as you're, you know, putting these pieces together to make this movie. Um, and then going to uh, 2023, I mean, obviously working for the studios, it has been tough because we rely on these theatrical releases to come out and a lot of them are getting pushed um so honestly like right now november is november and december just look terrible um for me <laughs> um because a lot of the movies and even we we're chris and i were talking now 2024 a lot of these releases are getting pushed into 2025 and it just it's blowing my mind um so i think you know in marketing and especially in entertainment, I do have to keep thinking of ways working with smaller filmmakers. Um, I was so the movie was Brave the Dark, and I had said to you, I don't work with just major movie studios. Of course, that's our bread and butter. That's what keeps our agency going. But that also gives the opportunity for somebody to say, hey, I'm taking this movie to a festival in Indianapolis. What can you do for my little film? And that was the thing. I was like, if you can give me a link, if I can share these, share the link with press, 
because a lot of critics can't make it to a screening at a festival. But I, if I can at least, if you're okay with me getting a link out, sharing the link, maybe I can get a feature. And I did. I got one of the publications to interview the director and, you know, reviews, getting that movie out. Those things are important. So. Thank you, Cicely. I'm going to come to the audience in about one minute, but I want to hear one more thing because we have this really interesting uh, pairing here on the panel with Cicely, who solicits PR and marketing, and Hope Madden, who writes film reviews. So I wondered if one or both of you would talk a little bit about the evolving nature of PR. If people are going to self-distribute their own films or they're going to go with distribution companies, like what should be the expectation on, on how to get the word out about their movies? Okay. You're welcome, Hope. So, um, one, uh, one really effective tool is Rotten Tomatoes, which is essentially uh, out of the question if you don't already have a distributor, because it's very hard to, hard to get a page on Rotten Tomatoes without a distributor. They can all do it. They can pop up your poster, and, and we can't put a review on Rotten Tomatoes for your movie unless you have a page. So uh, so that is a little bit iffy. But here's the thing. If you get a distributor, they still may not do anything in terms of getting you some movie reviews. So um, here's what you can do. You're going to need hustle. Get on Rotten Tomatoes, go through the reviewers, look for people who are pro-horror, because I probably don't need to tell you that most film critics don't like horror movies. Don't send your movie to them. <laughs> so find people who like horror, start a spreadsheet, find their email address or their Twitter handle, and um, give them at least three weeks before your movie is out, because we get hundreds of people every week or every month asking us to review your movie. And if you say it's already out, well, we have to limit it some way. So if the movie is already available on VOD, I don't review it because there are 300 other movies that need my attention and there's only so many hours in the week, right? So plan it out. Figure out how, what, like what your date is, when it's going to go live. Have your list of film critics. Send them very polite emails. Don't mass email them. Send them individual emails. Spend some time. And most of them are never going to get back to you. But all you need is seven. You get seven. You've got a Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, you know, it's fresh. And then other people are going to pay attention and review your movie. And then the other thing, again, is that, you know, there are going to be people who follow you on social or who are from your hometown. But if you get a film critic in Quebec, then all of a sudden Canada knows who you are. You know what I mean? So it's a really good way to just hit people all over the globe who had no idea that you existed and now are interested in your movie and are going to promote your movie wherever it's going to be. Now, that being said, you still can only, you, you maybe can get the page up, but you can't get a fresh tomato without... Six. I think it's 25. It's six. Uh, I'm a Rotten Tomatoes film critic. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Dissension. Certified fresh, oh, yeah. yes. Oh, you can't, you, you won't appear. Right? You don't have a Rotten Tomatoes existence. Like, nobody can go to Rotten Tomatoes and know that you exist until you have six Rotten Tomato critics right, who right. have logged something. But I'm talking the certified. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, you have, and they have to be legit critics. They have to be you and 24 others. I yeah, think. Rotten Tomatoes has a specific list of critics right. who, who can post there. Right, right. So you can get access to it. You're just not going to, unless you get all the different critics that are listed, 
and you have to have 25 of them, I think is the number. Well, and that doesn't mean you're going to get a fresh. Well, no, not it, it, it just doesn't. <laughs> and it's just making getting the awareness out there, yeah, and not worrying so much. Right. And I think that is the thing on the studio yeah. side is they worry so much about the negative reviews. But I think if you have, you're a smaller independent, you at least want to get that recognition out. And you're right, targeting. You know, and, and it made me think of, for social media influencers, a big part of what the studio started doing during COVID is pivoting because we weren't allowed, like, the big part of our job is word of mouth. We screen the movie, show the movie, get an audience, bring people to the theater to see it on the big screen and build word of mouth that way. Um, but in 2020, when theaters shut down and the films we did have, we started relying on social media big time. I get it. Studios are a little behind. Um, but we were relying on our influencers. So say there was a movie coming out. I'm not sure what came out around then. Let's say Promising Young Woman. That was like 2020, maybe mm -hmm. December. Mm -hmm. So in the scene, um, whatever her name is, she had like, um, like amazing nails. Her nails were like all different colors. So oh, let's put together like these nail polishes or, you know, finding different products from the film and sending you a did. package. You did, you sent nail polish. To, exactly. <laughs> she sent us nail, nail polish. polish. <laughs> but it's just those ways to think of creative marketing of your film. I can come up with some really cool stuff for my movie and maybe just put together like a really cool press mailer and send that off to key press who you think are going to like your movie and post about it on social media. That is free. Now, social media influencers tell you you need to pay them $500. You say no, because I don't even do that with the studios. But like Hope and George get a lot of my movie stuff and you'll probably see them post like a hat or something cool. Um, so that's another way to think about, I may not have all this money, but maybe if I find 10 really key influencers in my genre and I can put together like a really cool mailer, think of those type of creative ideas to market. I have a thought as well. So you've got an opportunity tomorrow to pitch to the New York Times horror writer. Um, and one of the things that he's going to help you figure out is how to do a press release. Send press releases, smart press releases to your hometown everything. Everything in your hometown. All of your hometown newspapers and blogs to your libraries, to everybody in your hometown who might write a story, right, in your, you know, in your, like, weekly underground newspaper, whatever. Because the more actual press that you can generate, do it while you're filming. Get them to come out and, and give a shit about your movie while you're filming. Because the more actual press that you can generate coming up to festivals, the more interesting that you will be to distributors. They'll be like, oh, like you said, they're doing the work for me. They're marketing the movie for me. And then you're going to be more attractive to distributors in that way. Also, I want to say, going back to the promotional items, um, has anybody, anyone familiar with the movie Heebie Jeebie TV at all? So yeah, we just, we just released it. Uh, we did physical, and then we also did the digital. Uh, we made an exclusive deal with Screenbox, and uh, we released a, a big box of the cable box that's in the movie that you get, uh, that opens up, and you get the Blu-ray with slipcover, promotional book, poster, stickers, pin, all that. And then what we did was, you can buy it on the site, but then we also shipped out a bunch of units to different TikTokers, uh, you know, different horror websites and all that, so that everybody who got it, then they, they did an unboxing, which is what happens also in the movie when the kids get it that shows up at their house. So then the TikTokers got it, they did their unboxing reveals, and then we got, you know, obviously tons of free promotion on that, which then turned into people coming to our site, purchasing more of that, you know, mm -hmm. so it's all free 
publicity, but then also turns into sales, which the movie, you know, it came out in July, but then we did all this mass marketing to coincide with the Screenbox release that came out middle of October, which increased sales for this, the Screenbox release and obviously the sales picked up again, which was just free marketing, you know? So it's, yeah, it's, it all works together like yeah. that, which all That's we had awesome. to do was just send out units we already had, you know, awesome. extra, extra units. You know? Okay, we got about 15 minutes left. I wanna turn it over to the audience to ask you guys questions. Mm -hmm. So if you have a question, throw your hand up, I'll call on you and uh, I'll repeat it for you in, in case the audience can't hear you. Go ahead, right there. So questions about best practices for being proactive to meet distributors at festivals? Okay, who wants to take it? Um, you know, I think uh, that absolutely one of the things that you probably want to look into is is finding distributors that you would be interested in, that you think you, you've seen their movies, you like their movies. That's a good place to start because it's hard for you to know whether their movie was financially successful. But if you like their catalog, if your movie fits in their catalog, you know, you just do, do a little bit of research online, figure out who you're supposed to reach out to. Make sure that what you send them is smart. It's well written. It, it tells what your movie is, it tells them what the genre is, it tells them how much it costs, you know, uh, let them know if there are any names in it, let them know if you have any awards, anything like that. Make it succinct, don't ramble, uh, and, and it, you know, if, and, and let them know why you're soliciting them. Like, I loved this movie, and you put it out, and it kind of reminds me of my movie, and yeah, just contact them in advance, you know, and, and again, most of them are not going to get back to you, and many of them, if they do, they're going to politely say no. However, you know, they might say maybe, or maybe they won't get back to you, but then they'll pay attention, and you'll, you'll get into some festivals, and it's just a way for you, even if they don't get back to you immediately, to just let them know you exist. Yeah. 30 so seconds, not, it, go ahead. 30 seconds. Okay, so my experience, uh, uh, when I was searching, uh, uh, ones that didn't contact me, I was looking for ones in the same vein uh, that looked like it would be the same style of content. Um, then I would reach out to other filmmakers to see if, you know, if the films that they had, did they actually do anything that, you know, they saw returns or anything like that. In the case with our company, with the acquisitions, um, it doesn't necessarily matter if your film screen places or not. We want to know, does the film match our catalog? Is it something that our customers want? Um, send screeners, send, uh, you know, trailers, send promotional stills, high-res things. Does the, quali is the quality there? Does, you know, um, it, it doesn't matter if there's names, you know, it's just, does, does it look good? You know, we, we're not going to put out stuff that looks like shit, you know, uh, that's, that's more, more or less what it is. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, you're rushing me. No, you're good, you're good. <laughs> you, you Talk know, to me afterwards. One other thing, and I know real, real quick. Real quick. Sales agents, be very careful of festival sales agents coming up to rep your film, to take it to distributors to sell. That's just another middleman in there It's going to take a piece. Yeah, don't so, cut the middleman. Okay, another question. Uh, yeah, up there. The question was about exclusive distribution deals versus non-exclusive. For for which one? For heebie-jeebie TV? Yes. Uh, it's much more money. <laughs> I mean, can you elaborate? Well, I mean, um, so like, uh, I made exclusive deals with like Screenbox and Shutter and stuff like that. Uh, it so like S SVOD. So just it just depends on the terms. That um, you just get a lot more money if depending on how many years they want it. It just means that it's going to be on that platform for a set amount of time. They're, it's the only streaming service that can have it, so it cuts out, the, you know, it can't be on other streaming services that are subscription-based. But you can still put it on anything that's AVOD with, with ads and transactional revenue, but 
there's just no other streaming services that subscription based that can have it, you know. Are you talking exclusive distributors or exclusive not exclusive yeah. platforms? Oh, okay, so you're saying non-exclusive distributors. Oh, okay. I've never uh, made a deal like that. No. Yeah. No, as a distributor, we you know, they want the whole thing. Yeah, we want the whole right. thing. Right. Okay, let's take another question. Yeah, go ahead. I can. He asked if there is an alternative way to get a Rotten Tomatoes page without going through a distributor. Um, and I have the feeling that there probably is. It's very difficult to get anybody from Rotten Tomatoes or Fandango to get back to you. Um, and that was me, and I'm one of their film critics. I mean, they, they contact me fairly re regularly about uh, different things. But it's um, uh, they. It's much easier for them to, to just work with, this, with distributors. It is, I mean, there is a way for a filmmaker to get a Rotten Tomatoes page, but I swear to God, I don't know what it is, and I'm one of their critics. Fandango's not designed to help you. No. Yeah. No. It's owned by different people who don't want to help independents, trust me. Who else got a question? Phil, go ahead. Question was about thoughts on agencies who will basically buy reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Don't. That sounds a lot like Spotify doing stuff like that. Yeah, I hadn't heard about that. I hadn't either. Yeah, George and I have never heard about I that feel like either. There's always those, and I don't really know what is true or not, but I feel like a lot of times people say, like, oh, that person or that studio, they're paying Rotten Tomatoes. I think I just saw something recently, maybe something that you saw too, where it was. Interesting. Oh, a PR. Yeah, yeah. Not the only. You hear that a lot, like, oh, the studios are paying Rotten Tomatoes. That's why this studio, like, Universal's movie is 90% because. They paid them off for that movie. I just... Well, they own Fandango. They own Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, that's just the way it right. is. Well, I mean, I think uh, it's a confusing thing to say paid Rotten Tomatoes because we're all individual contributors. So they have hundreds of film critics. They contact us, right? So, But they don't pay us. I don't work for them. So, And, and it's the same thing with all of the film critics there. So like the New York Times film critic is also a Rotten Tomatoes film critic, right? Mad Wolf or a Rotten Tomatoes film critic. So it would be hard to say you're paying Rotten Tomatoes because they don't influence us. Right. They don't contact like I us. I set up a press screening for them right. to see this movie and review it. And right. No so what the agency really is doing is targeting Rotten Tomatoes film critics and paying individuals right. to post positive reviews. Okay. We're going to move on from that. Uh, go ahead. Right there. Yeah. Question is, are minimum guarantees leprechauns? <laughs> yeah. No. They're, they're few and far. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends. Over the years now that since the, the we've got into... Uh, when the, when the company started, we were just physical, um, and that's where I was. I didn't have connections with uh, digital or anything. Over the last probably three or four years, I made connections into all that. Um, I've been picking up bigger films, so now we've been able to offer guarantees. They're not they're not huge, uh, and they range depending on who's in the film, what we can get, you know, depending on different sites and things like that. But yes, we do offer minimum guarantees on certain films now. So it does happen. And it, and it just depends, like I said, it, it ranges. Which is, it's recoupable from the distribution side. Yes. So, you know, depending on the confidence you have in your film, what's the minimum guarantee really mean? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's less leprechaun, more leprechaun movies. Yes. All right, more questions. Yeah, here you go, Jerry. I thought I somebody in the back had one I've been, I haven't been ignoring you. Okay, uh, yeah, go ahead. Let me repeat it so we have it for the podcast, the, or for the recording. The um, question is, are there other sites besides Rotten Tomatoes that matter, and how do you get their attention? 
Uh, let me, and then I'll, I'll knock it over to Cicely because she's going to have really great insight too. But yeah, anytime you can get anybody who's going to post or write up about your movie, when you have an independent horror film or any kind of a, a low budget independent movie, it's good because it means a human being will hear about your movie who didn't hear about it earlier. So Rotten Tomatoes is a good sort of analogy, a, a, a good touchstone, but any film critic anywhere on any platform in any newspaper um, and, and yeah, uh, just viewers who've seen it who want to post about it in IMDb or, or Letterboxd. That it's it's all valuable. I, I was going to say exactly what she said. <laughs> of course, yeah. And I think not focusing so much on Rotten Tomatoes or that Rotten Tomatoes score, but yes, getting that movie out. You know, like she had mentioned, like targeting your local. Uh, publications, your local film critics, or if you're on set, hey, we're filming this movie, if you want to come out and film it, or, you know, just anything that you can get out out there, not focus on one thing, but focus on as many different things you can, you know, different avenues that you can get this movie out. Um, I know, yeah, there's a lot of press um, that are here today, this weekend, covering your guys' films. Make sure you connect with them. Try to do an interview if you can. Just you know, get out as much as you can. It doesn't need to be focused on one thing. Yeah, go ahead. Do studios give annual statements and should you ask for them in your contract? We give quarterly statements. Yeah, quarterly. I think if you're, somebody's giving you an annual, that's terrible. Yeah, even if it's in the contract, uh, I mean, they're not gonna get, yeah, that's, that's the problem with, yeah, you gotta make Distributors them. suck. Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah. this, well, wait a minute, let me repeat this. Bloody Bites this, has been This good. is a great question. How do short films fit in with distribution? Should you try to find a distributor or is it okay to put them out there in the world on places like YouTube? Well, now for us, we're looking at shorts from a standpoint of a full length production. Yeah. But we don't, we don't have a place other than our YouTube, uh, like go to Cranked Up on uh, YouTube and you'll see shorts that we put on there. But we're looking at them as a feature length production. One more. Anybody else? All right, I can take one more question. Yeah, back there. Additional red flags very quickly that filmmakers should look out for when they're looking for distribution companies. Um, yeah, again, if they're if if they're asking you for money, they're just predators. So and you know and and you're you're probably going to get a lot of people who come at you who are distributor reps or or producer reps, and they're going to ask you for money. And, and then they're going to ask you for the same money that the distributor is going to ask you for. So, like, everybody's, I'm going to need $5,000 to make your files. And then the distributor, I need $5,000 to make your files. They're all, they're all of them are predators. So steer clear of them. If you feel really overwhelmed, you might have conversations with a producer's rep, right, to just see, you know, what they want, what they can do to, like, drive people to you. But, again, I mean, the number one thing to look out for is if they want any money from you up front at all. If they're looking for all your rights, um, mm. if they're looking for an, a crazy amount mm -hmm. of years, yeah, like, uh, I would yeah. say anything over like five to eight years, yeah. something like that. Like, there's no reason they're going to make all that money within those first five years. Anything after that, it's just they're just keeping it. Uh, yeah, I mean that's the, every the, those top three yeah. is like the the number one the things and, I would look and for. And I think if you you have to have somebody that's established too. Yeah. Okay, we got to cut it off there. How about a round of applause for our panel? Scott, Justin, Sicily, and Hope are going to be around. So take advantage of a chance to meet them, introduce yourself, just not in this screening room. Um, two o'clock, next door, we have the elusive, the people's joker. 
screening, and in here we have Recurring Nightmares Block B. Thanks for being here. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And stay frightful, my friends. 